0: What podcast publishers can learn from the precedent set by programmatic ads and other advertising channels. That's what we're talking about today on Sounds Profitable, Ad Tech Applied with me, Brian Barletta.
1: And me, Ariel Nissenblatt.
0: Thanks to Podsites for sponsoring this week's episode, Podsites, podcast advertising insights and attribution built for advertisers, loved by publishers. Go to podsites.com for more information.
1: Brian, we've got a great episode here today. You are going to be speaking with Jordan Bentley, but before we get into demand-side platform and what that means for listeners and for podcasters, let's do a little check-in. What have you been listening to lately? What podcasts have been in your ear holes? So <laughs> I've...
0: <laughs> I lot ear holes. Uh, I've been falling down the audio drama uh well, and uh, I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Midnight Burger is still my favorite and my go-to. I burned through Brimstone Valley Mall, and then I followed one of the actors on there. Uh, to an older podcast that I cannot believe I never heard about ours paradoxica mm. and it's a three season like 36 episode time travel based podcast and it's absolutely blown my mind and I really think I'm it's gonna be the first podcast that I've listened to again. I'm absolutely gonna wow. start again from the beginning and check out the whole thing. What about you? What have you been listening to?
1: Well, I have been listening to Wild Boys from Chameleon Campside Media. It's amazing. It's coming out weekly, and it's a limited series. And I feel like the precedent for the past few years has been to drop all episodes of limited series at once, but this one is coming out weekly, and it is really doing a great job with cliffhangers. So I am completely captivated by it. The story has many twists and turns. I very much recommend it. It's sort of true crime, not so much on the crime side, so it's really... Investigative. It's great. And also I love Canada and it, ha- it takes place in Canada. <laughs> Heck yeah. I'll
0: have to check it out. So let's, let's dig in for this week. I'm really excited about this one. You know, as we're moving into sounds, proper ad tech applied, my focus is I want to talk to people who have something that me and you can then break down and talk about how podcasters in the business side, in the ad tech advertising side of it, the, the non microphone side of it can apply that. Uh, that information, because I think so many things are ad tech or can be translated to ad tech. This one is super nerdy. And what do you think about the interview?
1: This one is super nerdy. (laughs) I had to listen to this interview twice because there is so much in here that I wanted to make sure I had an understanding of it before I came on to chat with you about it. And also because it's the kind of interview that doesn't seem like it is advising It doesn't seem like advice per se, but if you really break it down, you can learn how to use these techniques and tools to better yourself as a podcast publisher. So first, tell me, how did you get in touch with Jordan Bentley?
0: Yeah, I think we were uh, we actually met over Twitter. I think I was arguing with somebody else about advertising in podcasting (laughs) uh, and how programmatic affects uh, it. And we just kind of bonded over a topic on there and we're just, you know, he came on as a sponsor shortly after. But it was really interesting. I've started my Twitter, used to be just following Dungeons and Dragons and role playing accounts. And in the 18 months, it sounds profitable. I've started following more ad tech and news and technology and podcasting people. And so I've fallen into ad tech Twitter and it's very fun. So Jordan comes from that side. That's how we connected there. But Jordan runs a company called Audio Hook, which is a demand side platform and it, Is all focused on podcasting and other forms of audio, being able to enable buyers to access that inventory across multiple different inventory sources.
1: Brian, break it down for us. Who is the customer of a demand-side platform like AudioHook and how would they use it? So
0: a demand-side platform allows someone to buy into inventory, right? So it is primarily a buying tool. The other side of that is a supply-side platform. So DSP for demand uh, and SSP for supply. Supply is the publisher side of it. And so this now allows a buyer, an agency, a brand, anybody over there to spend money on inventory that the DSP is connected to or can be connected to. The publisher sets up the SSP relationship, right? So in podcasting, the main ways to do that right now are through directly, you could manage it yourself through a vast tag, a little bit more complicated. But platforms like AdsWiz and Omni Studios Triton Digital will allow you to represent your inventory as an SSP and individually connect with DSPs. Programmatic is definitely confusing here. But if that is your goal, to interact directly and manage those programmatic deals, those are your two avenues today.
1: So what I found interesting about your conversation is that demand-side platform companies are not just in the audio space. They are a leftover kind of infrastructure from previous types of advertising and they'll continue there and they'll continue in the podcast slash audio space. But what is unique about Audio Hook?
0: Yeah, they're focusing specifically on podcasting, which is tough and and audio overall. But podcasting is difficult because the way programmatic advertising works is it's all real time, right? A bunch of calls are made out. To see what ads are available and in real time, the person respond, like the platform responds back. The ad is one or doesn't win. And then shortly after that, in seconds, we're talking an impression is fired to confirm. Not only did it win, but it was placed in podcasting. It's possible for it to take longer, not because the time that they receive the ad to the time that the listener receives the episode with the ad in it is that long. It's really not. We're talking a few seconds, maybe minutes at that regard. But it's the hosting platform, the ad-serving platform has to fire the tracking pixels. So every platform does that differently. And some of them can take hours to fire those tracking pixels, which means that podcasting has to be handled in a different way than digital display, than streaming audio, streaming video, basically every other type of media that we can measure in real-time podcasting because there's no framework for how the hosting platforms have to respond back. It can just take longer.
1: And you just brought something up that I want to really dive into after your interview about how the podcast industry has an opportunity here. We'll talk about that after your chat with Jordan. So Brian, why don't you lead us into that conversation?
0: Sounds great. I hope you enjoy my interview with Jordan Bentley, the CEO and founder of AudioHook. Mm-hmm. Jordan, thank you for being here. Hey, thanks for having me here, Brian. Awesome. Jordan, can you tell us a little bit about AudioHook? Yeah, AudioHook is a
2: unified DSP built specifically for audio. And so what I mean by that is in addition to typical programmatic audio inventory, we also add in non-automated inventory like host read ads for podcasts as well as other sources like
0: traditional terrestrial radio. That's awesome. And I think that we need more technology that's focused on audio because a subset of that is podcasting and podcasting does need a little bit more hand holding. So I'm real excited to hear that Audio Hook is so focused on the podcasting side too. What I wanted to really dig into today was so many people in the podcast space haven't been exposed to ad tech or advertising outside of podcasting. And as we know, a lot of podcast ad tech was built by people who needed to hit a revenue demand from their board or their founders or investors or whatnot, and they built something that worked for them. The problem there is that we're not really built to a standard. And things work very, very differently in podcasting than they do in streaming radio or streaming video, or especially a website. So let's go for the most basic. When an ad or a video is with an ad is loaded on a website, what's that process from like, when I type in the URL to when the ad gets there?
2: Great question. So basic ad tech 101 for a publisher, right? That somebody goes to their website like Yahoo. In a very simplified manner, what happens is as the page loads, the publisher loads their ad server. In the case of most publishers, this is double click, uh, which has changed names a few times. (laughs) And then... After it loads the ad server, the ad server then
0: makes a call out to demand partners like an ad exchange. Gotcha. So when I load the website, the website is coming to my device. Part of that website is the ad server. And that's also loading from my device, making a separate call out. Correct.
2: Yeah. So you have some JavaScript built into the HTML of the page. That's where your ad slots are. That When the page loads, that JavaScript says, okay, go to DFP." Which is double click. Um, and then double click loads it and says, okay, are we filling that with an ad that we've directly sold? Are we going to send it to Google or some ad exchange to give us demand from other advertisers and goes through that decisioning?
0: Very cool. So, for people in the podcast space, the big difference here is that when a listener presses play in their podcast player, it calls the host and says, hey, do you have an episode? In that episode right there, when when they're building it, it says to its local server, all server side, what ads are available based on the IP address, user agent, and the episode that's being requested. They're all filled right then and there. If there's any external calls to Programmatic or Marketplace, those also happen there because your hosting platform, which is like your website platform, and your ad server are built in together because only one thing, the full audio file, can be returned back to the device there's no way for an ad call in podcast advertising to come from your device it only comes from the hosting platform and so we have programmatic starting to expand in the space jordan and that's a big reason why you're spending so much time in podcasting which is really exciting programmatic and podcasting focuses in the same way right the hosting platform's ad server says what ads do i have available and through vast so calling another url to another ad server or through a direct integration, which absolutely mimics the similar functions there, but your hosting platform makes the call to the ad server instead of you flighting a campaign that calls an ad server. That's how we get programmatic ads. So it's all contained in that linear process. That was a problem in standard digital advertising, right? That became an issue with double click with other Google partners at one point or another and led to some advancements, right?
2: Correct. So... The natural progression of this, if we go back to call it the 2000s, was it, it's, this all started before there were ad exchanges and before there was programmatic inventory. And so that call was very basic. The website would load, it would call the ad server. Um, that was the only source of demand and then it would serve an ad, right? Which is a very simplified version of what podcast advertising often looks like right now if they don't have programmatic or other demand built in. What started to happen and evolve is third parties would come to publishers and say, we want to buy ads on your site and we'll pay you more. If your house rate is going for a $4 CPM, we'll pay you a $5 CPM. And then another third party, these were often referred to as ad networks, would come to them and say, oh, we'll pay you $6. Inevitably somebody else would come and say, we'll pay you nine or $10. So you started to get all of this demand from these third parties. Again, often referred to as ad networks. And so the publishers would place them in what's referred to as a waterfall because while they said they would pay a $10 CPM, for example, it was only on the ads if they chose that they wanted to actually buy that ad. And so when a page would load, it would call the ad server, the ad server would then call that first um, ad network or first partner that's willing to pay $10 and say, okay, here's an ad. Are you guys buying it? And oftentimes they would say yes or no. In the case that it was no, it was like, okay, well, that was the guy that promised us $10. bucks. let us call the guy that promised us 8 or $9. Because again, we're only getting $5 for house ads. Do you guys want to buy it? And if they said no... Call the third or fourth or fifth. And this waterfall cycle got really extreme where you had a dozen or more calls. And how this impacted the user was you would go to a website and the content would load, but where there was a spot for a display ad, it may not load for five or 10 or 20 seconds later because you had to make all of these calls to third parties. And so what publishers did, and this happened over a number of years, like 10 years or so, is the publisher said, we have to figure out a way to make all of this happen at once. And again, skipping a little bit of the backstory, publishers uh, and the ad ecosystem ultimately invented uh, what we refer to as header bidding. Um, And header bidding, simply put, um, allows the ad server or the website to send out a request right when the page is first going to be loaded. This happens server-side and not on the client's device anymore. Happens server-side and says, okay, here's this this user who wants to show them an ad. That ad request gets sent out simultaneously to a number of partners, three, four, five partners, but it's all simultaneous, right? So you're not waiting and doing this at a anything. time one at a time. You send it out to everybody at the exact same time. And then uh, because it's server side, you can also do this stuff much faster because you're not reliant on a client side you know, connection. And then they get the responses all back um, of those people that want to bid. They choose whatever is the highest, whether that's an external partner like an ad exchange, or whether that's some house ad that they have in their ad server, and then they serve the ad.
0: And that's all publisher controlled, right? So the publisher sets up all those partners in their ad server, which they control. It's not that the publisher is calling to like a marketplace or something that is doing that for them? Correct.
2: And there's different tools out there, right? So part of the evolution of this, and again, I kind of skipped to the end with header bidding, was there there were a few intermediate steps where ad exchanges were like, well, we'll just do that all for you, right? Yeah. Why don't you, you know... Initially, sounds like a great idea, right? Hey, let's just get one partner. They're referred to typically as sub- supplied side platforms (SSPs), and we're going to help you get the most bang for your buck. The challenge became that there wasn't a lot of whole tra- there wasn't a lot of transparency around any of this, and so you would partner up. A publisher would partner up with an SSP, and they'd say, "Okay, we're going to get you the best prices, and we're yeah. going to take fifteen percent of the revenue that we generate for you." And inevitably another SSP would come to them and say, well, we actually have more advertisers or we have more DSPs or we think we can get higher values. And instead of taking 15%, we'll take 10. And so then you started to almost enter this waterfall weird situation again, where it's like, how do I make these two compete? Because the publisher has no transparency or no insight into what those bids were. They don't know if there's 10 advertisers or 10 DSPs buying from them or 50 or what it is. All they see at the end of the day is, you know, hey, I got X dollars for my ad space and again, who knows how the sausage is made. And and so that was also kind of a forcing function of this transition to header bidding because rather than working with well, what's interesting is they started working with ad networks, one, two, three, four ad networks. They transitioned SSPs to say, hey, let's get rid of this problem. But then they started competing with multiple SSPs and adding multiple of those in that recreated kind of the same issues. It was slightly better, but a lot of the same issues. Yeah. And so then with header bidding, um, it was like, okay, now we're getting more control. Now we're getting more transparency. There's an initiative called uh, prebid.js, um, which is an open source project that publishers can use if they want to, yeah, have real insights into, okay, what are the final numbers I'm getting from these different demand partners, and I can choose which one I want.
0: That's really smart because in podcasting, that's the that's like the inflection point that we're at right now, right? There are two ways to participate in programmatic advertising. One is you work with a partner that you correct, connect all your supply into, and you let them handle that on all your behalf, right? There's some great partners out there like AdsWiz, there's uh, VoxNest, there's a handful of them out there that will handle all that. Uh, yeah. Acas, even Spotify and Megaphone, to some example, are are exploring that area. But what it means is you lose transparency. You know that what, when they give you an ad, you're going to get a Correct. certain dollar amount as a minimum, usually a floor. Um, and, but they're not going to have to buy everything, but you don't know who they called out to. And so that's why I'm such a big proponent in podcasting of vast based programmatic. And that only works on a few ad servers. You have Wooshka, Megaphone, Art 19, Omni Studio, and Simplecast Ads Whiz. And what I mean by vast-based programmatic is exactly how header bidding sounds, right? It's a server-side call to a bunch of programmatic partners, having them all compete together. So basically, you set them each up as a campaign, each up as rank 5 or 10 or whatever the bottom of your waterfall is, but they're at the same level. And so ideally, what that means is all of them are called at exactly the same time, and the winner gets the spot. And so that means that you're able to to designate and get the highest price back. And as a publisher, you can do that however you want, right? You could have all of sure. Aswiz's Podwave compete with a direct, vast call to, you know, uh, Group M, right? And so it depends on your skill level and your way of working with them. That's header bidding sounds really attractive and sounds like what we're going towards in podcasting because you get to control from the individual source to the aggregate source and make them compete, right?
2: Yes. And again, you get the transparency. Yeah. So there are lots of great vendors in the space, lots of very ethical vendors in the space. So I'm not suggesting that people aren't being honest or ethical. However, if we look at the history of programmatic advertising from a display, which is, you know, podcasting is following a lot of these same trends that publishers went through. 10, 20 years ago on the display side. And so we like to look at that history and say, what learnings can we take from this? You know, recently it just came out that Google was maybe being less than transparent in how they were operating some of these auctions and index exchange a couple years back also had a, a a skiff and issue with how they were operating their exchanges and what they felt like was appropriate and what other advertisers and other partners felt like were were appropriate. And so I I forget which uh, president said the quote, but it's like, trust but verify, right? And so I'm always for relationships or technology that enables, whether it's podcasters or publishers or whoever it is, advertisers, to have the transparency to trust their partners but be able to verify that they're actually getting what they think they're getting because when you have just one exchange, just one demand source, again, you you don't really see how the sausage is made. And that's not to say that people, again, aren't being ethical, but when you have a more transparent framework like pre-bid, you can then see those inner workings a little bit and say, you know... Hey, this may be a preference decision, right? There, it may not be an ethical decision, just how we might want to go up about executing these calls or how we're deciding which bid to give and win. Um, but you have that transparency and you can make the choice rather than some partner making the choice for you.
0: I'm, I'm right there with you. I think that you don't have to peel back the curtain, but there has to be a curtain. You have to have sure. the option to be able to look behind the scenes and see everything there. And this belief that that damages anybody's brand, if I'm connected to a programmatic platform, realistically that platform is either my primary selling tool, which means I'm not equipped to go out there and compete with them. So it doesn't matter if I know what advertisers are on there or, or any of the deals and the pricing that's on there, because I'm not set up for it. But if they're the backfill, or even at the mid-level of it, if I really wanted to go after those advertisers, I could set an intern to sit and listen to my show and I would hear every ad that ran on my show. It's not that difficult. Sure. To accomplish that goal so the sales fear needs to be put away i think that like me and you are, are very clear that transparency is the only way we grow this industry right Advertisecast cast putting out their average cpms is very attractive and one of the things that really impressed me about you is you said that that's a goal for you and programmatic with podcasting
2: yeah and, and i like what advertise cast is doing and i think there's a an opportunity to even step that up right so in addition to saying like, okay, here are the CPMs we're seeing, right? Is that an average, right? Is that the median? Is that the top 90th percentile? Naturally, some industries of, or content, if you will, of podcasts are going to maybe fetch higher CPMs than others. Uh, an example might be a financial podcast, you know, banks, credit cards, Anybody that works in the fintech industry or financial industry is eager to get users. And so if you have a podcast that um, has a lot of personal finance content, your CPMs may be super, super, super high, Yeah. right? On the flip side, you know, if you're into, you know, cow breeding, which I hear is a very fast growing industry, there may be less advertising (laughs) opportunities there. And so- your CPMs may not be the same. And that's not to say that whatever partner you're working with isn't doing a good job, right? It just may be that there's less demand there. And so the CPMs might be $10 or $15 instead of $30 or $40 for fintech. So yeah, I'm all for transparency. And I think a great example is frankly just banks, right? We all work with banks. We trust them. They hold our money, but we can still go in and see the transactions. We can still go in and see like, oh yeah, yep, they say I have $47 in my savings account. You know, I need to stop going to McDonald's so much. And so, like, let's do the same thing, right? I, I agree with you. It's not that we aren't trusting people by being transparent, it's just, it's, it's a good practice
0: and it keeps people honest, right? No, I'm, I'm excited. So Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Everybody, please pay attention to Audio hook. I'm excited to see what they bring into the podcast space for transparency and programmatic. Uh, and Jordan, excited to have you back in the future.
2: Perfect. I appreciate the opportunity, Brian. Thanks, man. Brian,
1: great interview. So much knowledge in there. I definitely learned a lot, and I hope that if folks are listening, uh, I hope that if folks who listen to that have questions, they will hit us up on social media. I know you are very active on Twitter, and you love answering questions, so please, if you are confused by any of the things like I was at first, hit me up, hit Brian up. We are happy to help you break this down further. Brian, what does it mean for ad tech that a company like this, Audio Hook, is doubling down on the podcast
0: world? I think it's really encouraging. I think programmatic is such a strong way to transact. We've learned a lot from it. It's over a decade old, I believe even longer than that. I I don't have the fact checked available right now. Programmatic is another way to transact. It has a lot of value potential, and podcasting is a little bit different because everybody's ad tech stack has been built different. So having a company see the immense value and decide to be very niche in audio and then further prioritize podcasting really says that there are other people outside of our sphere that see that there is tons of revenue potential here that we haven't tapped into. And that really excites me.
1: And I alluded to this before the chat, but podcasting has an opportunity here. Obviously, podcast advertising is newer than TV advertising is newer than banner advertising on a website. So What is the opportunity here for podcast publishers and for the podcast industry in general? And how can they set themselves apart from previous demand side platform tools?
0: Yeah, we we spend so much time talking about how other countries can learn from the U.S. and our podcast growth and everything that we've done. And we we don't want to. Like impart that knowledge. We don't want to take that seriously sometimes when we look at our industry and comparing it to other industries. Uh, everything that we're going through with programmatic and advertising, you can find another industry that mimic that at one point or another and what they learned from it. And I'm so like, it means the world to me that you were able to really zoom in on that because transparency is a big thing. Google is being blasted right now for a lack of transparency in their programmatic and marketplace offerings. And in podcasting, we can get ahead of this by just saying, hey, it's a phase. We got to go through it. That's how some people make money, but we're ready to move on. So I think that this is this is our chance right here to not be associated with inventory sources that obscure who your inventory is or who you are uh, and not obscure what advertisers they're sending your way, because ultimately that creates a lack of trust. And that lack of trust continues to hurt the industry where a lot of other industries are being picked apart for that or have stopped doing that. So this is a chance for us to completely focus on transparency and realize, Hey, if they were going to go buy direct or they were going to buy another way, they were going to do that anyways. And we weren't, we weren't doing anything but making people frustrated and making everybody uncomfortable with the medium. So yeah, that's my. That's I, I'm very, very happy that, that yeah. that's shined through for you.
1: Early on, let's pledge to do it right. I love it. Right, podcasters?
0: Yeah, it's still early. <laughs> it's still early. So let's do it right.
1: If you want to connect or have any questions or comments for us, feel free to reach out to us on social media. At Sounds Prof News, at Brian Barletta, or at Ari This and That on Twitter. Podcast at soundsprofitable.com for email.
0: This show is recorded with Squadcast, my absolute favorite tool for video and audio recording. Find out more at squadcast.fm and get a free trial. Make sure to check out the other two podcasts from Sounds Profitable Sounds Profitable, the narrated articles in English and Spanish, and the download by Sounds Profitable.
1: Thank you to Evo Terra and Ian Powell for their help on this episode.